everyone, and welcome back to the Resident Blogs on the mTOR You Know podcast. I am your resident this week. My name is Megan Golly, and I am currently the PG by 2 Solid Organ Transplant Pharmacy Resident at Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, Minnesota. Previously, I completed my PGY1 pharmacy residency at Loyola University Medical Center in Maywood, Illinois. And prior to that, I graduated pharmacy school from the University of Toledo College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences in 2021. Today, I will be discussing a journal article with you guys entitled Merevibir for Refractory Cytomegalovirus Infection with or Without Resistance Post-Transplant Results from a Phase 3 Randomized Clinical Trial. This was conducted by Avery and colleagues, and it looked to compare the efficacy and safety of Merivivir to investigator-assigned therapy for the treatment of resistant or refractory CMV infections. So starting off with a little bit of background, treatments for cytomegalovirus or CMV post-transplant are limited by their toxicities, especially resistant and refractory CMV infections. The treatment options are primarily IV gancyclovir and its oral counterpart valgancyclovir, which is limited due to the hematologic toxicities, specifically leukopenia. IV phoscarnate could also be used, but that is limited by its nephrotoxicity side effect. And sidofavir is also limited by nephrotoxicity and neurotoxicity. Meribavir is the new kid on the block. It's the newest anti-CMV antiviral agent, and it does have a lower toxicity profile compared to its previous counterparts. In terms of its mechanism of action, it exhibits its antiviral activity via the inhibition of the UL97 protein kinase, and it has been previously shown in two phase two clinical trials to clear CMV viremia within six weeks of solid organ or hemopoietic stem cell transplant patients with or without CMV resistance. In the first of these two previous trials, Merebibir was shown to be effective at a dose of at least 400 milligrams twice daily at clearing CMV viremia. However, this was Merebibir at different doses and there was no comparator group to the standard of care. In the second trial, Merivivir was compared to standard treatment dose Valgancyclovir and did show similar efficacy in terms of CMV clearance. That brings us to this study. This was a phase three multi-center randomized open label superiority controlled trial of 352 hemopoietic or stem or solid organ hemopoietic stem cell or solid organ transplant patients aged at least 12 years. And it was designed to compare efficacy and safety of Merivivir to investigator-assigned therapy for the treatment of resistant or refractory CMV. These patients were randomized in a two-to-one fashion to receive Merivivir or investigator-assigned therapy for eight weeks with a 12-week follow-up. In terms of randomization, patients were stratified based on their transplant type being solid organ or hemopoietic stem cell, and also their level of CMV DNA at baseline. A high CMV DNA was was labeled as over 91,000 units per milliliter, medium being 9,100 to 91,000, and then low being 910 to 9,100.
The intervention was Marivivir 400 milligrams orally twice daily, and the comparator group was investigator-assigned therapy, which was IV gancyclovir, which was around 25% of the patients, oral valgancyclovir, also around 25% of the patients, IV phoscarnet, which was around 40%, and then low numbers of IV sidofavir and combination therapy of phoscarnet plus either oral, oral valgancyclovir or IV gancyclovir. It should be noted that there was a rescue option for patients in the investigator-associated therapy arm that they could be switched over to marivavir if they were refractory to investigator-assigned therapy after three weeks of treatment. These patients were considered non-responders and thus were not counted in the primary endpoint for either the marivavir or the comparator group. In terms of endpoints, the primary endpoint was CMV viremia clearance at the end of week eight. Viremia clearance was defined as a CMV DNA below 137 units per milliliter in two consecutive samples that were over five days apart. And the secondary endpoint was a composite endpoint of CMV viremia clearance as well as symptom control at week 16. Symptom control was defined as the continued absence of, of symptoms in patients who were asymptomatic at baseline or a decrease in the severity of symptoms for patients who had symptoms at the beginning of the trial. Inclusion and exclusion criteria, they included patients with CMV viremia, which was defined as a CMV PCR with a DNA level reading of over 910 units per milliliter on two consecutive PCRs, at least one day apart. All of these patients were also refractory. The refractory CMV was failure to achieve a one log reduction in CMV DNA after 14 days of therapy. And these patients could be resistant. Resistance was defined as one plus genetic mutations associated with resistance to standard therapy on a resistance panel. This trial excluded patients with CMV resistance or refractory disease due to inadequate adherence, CMV disease with CNS or ocular involvement, and the contaminant use of leflutamide or latermavir. 415 patients were screened for this study across 101 sites, with 352 being randomized. The primary reasons for screening but not randomization were CMV viral loads that were not confirmed by that second confirmatory test and CMV that was resistant but not refractory to treatment. Taking a look at our patient population, the Marivivir group had 235 patients and the investigator assigned therapy group had 117 patients. These were mostly male patients in their upper 50s that were primarily white. In terms of the transplant type, solid organ transplant was represented by 52% of the Marivivir group and 59% of the investigator-initiated therapy group, with the most common transplants being kidney at around 50% of each group and lung at around 30% of each group. Heart, liver, and pancreas transplants represented under 15% of each of the groups. 
In terms of the CMV categories, the primary CMV PCR reading was high, or was in the high group, which I'll remind you was the 91,000 or above. 65% of the Merivivir patients and 72% of the investigator-assigned therapy patients were in this group. Unsurprisingly, in terms of CMV zero status, donor positive recipient negative was the most common, representing over 80% of both groups. And then in terms of patients who were both refractory to common therapy and had CMV resistance noted, this was 51% of the Merivivir group and 59% of the investigator-associated therapy group. So let's take a look at our outcomes. This was an intention to treat analysis. The primary endpoint, which was CMV viremia clearance, occurred in a statistically significantly higher amount of patients in the Merivivir group than the investigator-assigned therapy group in the entire cohort at 56% clearance in the Merivivir group and 24% in the comparator group. When breaking this down and looking at patients who were refractory and resistant, we also found a statistically significant difference favoring the Merivivir group at 63% clearance versus 20% clearance in the investigator-assigned therapy group. When we look at CMV clearance in patients with refractory but not resistant CMV, we did not find a statistically significant difference. However, there was a numerical advantage favoring the Merivivir group. The secondary composite endpoint occurred in more patients in the Merivivir group than in the investigator-assigned therapy group at 19 versus 10% at week 16. This was also continued at 12 and 20 weeks post-therapy. In terms of our safety outcomes, the Verivivir group, the most common side effect associated was dyskesia at 37% in the Verivivir group versus 3% in the investigator-assigned therapy group. Unsurprisingly, neutropenia was more common in the valgancyclovir and gancyclovir groups. Leukopenia was also more common in the val and gancyclovir groups. Hypokalemia and AKI were more common in the phoscarnate groups. And nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea were similar across all of the groups, with a rate of about 20%. The attrition rate in the Merivivir group was 12% or 52 total patients, and the attrition rate in the investigator-assigned therapy group was 69% or 80 patients, with 22 of those patients being converted to Merivivir as a part of the rescue therapy protocol. Their primary reason for attrition or discontinuation of the study drug was lack of efficacy or side effects. The authors concluded that Merivivir was found to be superior to investigator-assigned therapy in CMV clearance and symptom control in patients with refractory and resistant CMV. This was a well-designed phase three clinical trial, and in terms of the weaknesses, the only ones I could find 
were that this looked at hemopoietic stem cell transplants and solid organ transplants who have different concerns about leukopenia that could have led to increased discontinuation of IV gancyclovir and oral valgancyclovir in the investigator-assigned therapy group. Additionally, the secondary outcome was incredibly subjective. So in conclusion, I believe that merivivir is a safe and effective alternative therapy for resistant and refractory CMV. However, it should be known that there are limitations to its use. The first being that this is an oral-only therapy without an IV option. The second being CYP3A4 inhibition, potentially creating an increased serolimus or tacrolimus level, which could require a dose reduction. However, this is not uncommon in the care of our transplant patients, and as long as it is appropriately accounted for in the dose, should not be a barrier to use. Additionally, due to the fact that only refractory and resistant CMV clearance was found to have a statistically significant difference, some insurance companies are requiring prior authorizations and documented CMV resistance panels, which might not be feasible for all of our patients. Thank you all for listening to my journal club on merivivir against investigator assigned therapy for cytomegalovirus treatment. If anybody has additional thoughts on this, I would be welcome or I would welcome them. And this is very open to discussion. Please feel free to email me if you'd like to hear more or discuss your experience with Maribavir. Changing gears a little bit, I was asked to provide a residency pearl or unique experience from residency. And today I would like to talk to you guys about the use of mycophenolate area under the curve or mycophenolate AUC. Therapeutic drug monitoring is not just for tacrolimus, which is something I learned when I started my PGY2 experience. It's not infrequent that we would get a mycophenolate AUC, which actually looks at the area under the curve for mycophenolate in specific patients. There are limited sampling strategies where we would get a trough level and then uh, specific timed levels after the dose of mycophenolate. And those specific time levels associating to the limited sampling strategy do vary by organ. The kidney protocol, which is also used in heart transplant patients, has a different equation than the lung and liver protocols. Additionally, the use of myfortic or mycophenolate sodium and pediatric patients both have their own equations associated as well. The goal of an AUC is about 30 to 60, and we would use the limited sampling strategy as well as the equation to calculate the AUC in patients who we suspected had, or patients we, patients with an increased risk for rejection or patients who had hematologic or GI complications to mycophenolate. Typically, we would get the AUC back and then continue dosing mycophenolate in the 250 milligram dose increments. I really hope that this podcast was helpful. And if you have any questions or would like to discuss any of these concepts further, my email will be listed below. Thank you.